Hi, Arjun. Welcome to Network Capital. Uh, we look forward to this conversation, learning more about your uh, careers from Brown to building an Ayurveda company today. So let's get. How does that sound? Sure, I'm. I'm excited to be here and excited to sort of take this conversation forward. So, um, tell me, recently uh, you've received a round of funding. What was that uh, round of funding for, and uh, how did you get here? Walk us through your journey in the past uh, year or two. Sure. So, I, I, I uh, we received a Series A round of capital for five million dollars uh, for our Ayurvedic startup, Doctor Ayurveda. But I think there's a lot of sort of history and and story behind that. I'll try to quickly sort of uh, give you some background on. Uh, so Vedya, my last name means Ayurvedic doctor, and I come from a legacy of 150 years of Ayurveda in my family. But uh, the legacy of our business, Doctor Vedya's, was actually no business. My grandfather and great grandfather were Ayurvedic doctors. Uh, they ran a very successful clinic, but never cared for sales, distribution, marketing, and strategy. When I uh, graduated from college uh, and came back to India, I saw a huge opportunity in the Ayurveda sector, uh, and this came from two kinds of experiences. One experience was growing up. Uh, I was completely cured of asthma by my grandfather, uh, so I suffered from juvenile bronchitis and uh, um, pumps, inhalers, steroids was what I grew up with. At age fourteen, my grandfather using Ayurveda. Completely cured me of asthma, um, so that was one experience that really made me a believer in Ayurveda. Uh, and the second experience was my time in the U.S. Um, so when I was at Brown doing my undergrad, I saw a move towards natural and organic products. I saw yoga being repackaged. Um, I came back to India in 2013. I saw a change in the Indian consumer. Uh, the Ministry of Ayush being created. The Patanjali revolution happening in a some sort of renaissance with Ayurveda. Uh, and that that sort of all that history and legacy came together um, to in 2016, um, sort of mid 2016, I quit my job in private equity and took on my grandfather's legacy in a slightly differentiated format by creating Dr. Vedya's to be an Ayurvedic products brand that makes our science appealing and accessible to modern consumers. That was the premise behind which we launched our brand. We wanted to be the brand that makes Ayurveda appealing to 21st century consumers. So through innovative product concepts like Live It Up and Ayurvedic Hangover Shield, Chakas, Chavanprash Toffees, as well as sort of easy to understand communication, um, understanding the consumer's needs and giving them content and product to sort of fulfill those needs, we created an Ayurvedic product brand that was largely or solely online. Uh, and over the last two and a half years, we've been able to build tremendous value for consumers across this country. Uh, created one of India's, if not India's, largest Ayurveda brand online, doing more than 1,000 orders a day just on our own website, um, and really adding value to these consumers. And that's something that that has captured the interest of 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 people across the country, and eventually led to a bootstrapped Ayurveda startup raising a significant amount of capital to then take our vision for New Age Ayurveda to the next level. No, that's fascinating. Uh, the renaissance of Ayurveda uh, is getting uh, venture capital money. Um, so, you know, at the time you you were thinking about fundraising, what were some of the goals that you had in mind? Like, how would you plan to uh, allocate the capital and how and when did you think that uh, funding would be a necessary 
requirement? Because you were profitable as much as I understand from the beginning. Sure. So what sure. was the role of timing here? So I think uh, it, it, for me, when I speak to people as well, I think the most important experience for me in running this startup has been to run the startup bootstrap for two and a half years. So with $700,000 in capital was what my grandfather left behind in the company. We built everything from brand, product, um, sort of reviving the factory, uh, building a team. Everything that we did in Dr. Vedas, we actually did within three crores of capital, uh, which is very difficult in the consumer space. But with that comes a lot of discipline as well. Uh, and so running a startup in the consumer getting up to some amount of revenue, and I think a, a good amount of revenue was a very important experience for me. I think the reason behind waiting the amount of time that we waited to raise our round of capital was twofold. One was we are a startup, but we're not a startup. Um, so we have 150 years of legacy and IP in the business. And so I wanted the business to get to some level that we unlock the value that the business actually has. Because at the end of the day, you're not just investing in an ivory product startup. You're also investing in a brand that has 105 FDA approved proprietary formulations. Uh, and so that needed some value unlocked. Uh, the other thing was I was looking for the right partner, actually. So with our brand and our company, Ayurveda is sort of an industry which people know very, uh, think they know a lot about, but actually don't know much about. Um, and so our business is a lot about education um, and sort of making consumers learn about this great science. And so we spoke to multiple investors but eventually wanted to find an investor who had the conviction um, that we had to take our vision forward. And that's why it took us um, a lot of time um, to understand who the right partner is for our business. And, and after, after sort of one year of actually knowing our partners is when we engaged with them and sort of took the investment. That's wonderful. Um, and uh, how do you plan to spend the $5 million? So I think it's a, it's, it's a bunch of things, um, but largely classified into four main buckets. Uh, I think number one is building a brand. So Dr. Vedas is very well known in the online space, uh, but a, as a product-related brand. So being a bootstrap startup, we are very performance marketing focused. Now we'll actually go out and say Dr. Vedas is your go-to brand for Ayurveda to understand Ayurveda. So first thing is definitely building a brand. The second thing we are going to invest in is sort of building a larger core team. Um, so we had a very sort of um, a lean team um, uh, before we raised some capital and we're really beefing up the resources uh, in our team because I genuinely believe that people are what make a startup. Uh, and so building a team with the right culture and bring the right sort of minds together to take our vision forward, that's the second focus of capital. Uh, the third focus of capital will be um, factory and R&D. Um, so this would be sort of ramping up our factory for the next leg of production, with whether it's machinery or capability, utilization, resources, et cetera. Uh, and some amount of R&D for new product formats. So for example, we are the first company in the world to put Chavanprash in a toffee. You'll be seeing over the next six to eight months, many of these super innovative concepts coming out of Dr. Various, where it takes a traditional product and changes delivery format to capture the imagination of the consumer. And the fourth thing we'll be investing in is actually building our brand outside of India as well. Um, so we are doing a lot of work in India. 
but we believe there's huge scope for ayurveda outside of india as well ayurveda has only 105 to 120 million dollars worth of exports on a yearly basis and this is something dr vedas is really going to be out to change um so every one of our products actually bears the mark proudly indian on it and this is my dream that in the next 5 years i'll see this mark of proudly indian on shelves in 50 countries um so we'll be doing the ground work for this sort of building the brand outside of india or in global markets from this year on that's really interesting arjun uh, i've had that toffee chavan prashman and it is quite <laughs> um tell me um, now that you you have such a clear strategy of uh, deploying the capital uh, what are some of the things that keep you up at night like what are some of the challenges that you're facing in building this uh, business so very interesting question i'll i'll tell you what keeps me up at night and then what are challenges we face uh, with this business as well right what yeah. keeps me up at night is is the restlessness that kept me up at night from day one with this business is um ayurved has tremendous scope we are not building a niche business we are not building a business that has accessibility to 10 million 15 million 20 million consumers at a price point of 80 to 200 rupees today dr vedyas genuinely has the ability to reach bharat right so 6 or 700 million indians and so what keeps me up at night is why aren't we getting there what can we do to get there how much of growth is still left right so for me what keeps me up at night is i still believe that I, we have taken dr vedyas up to 5 on 10 until now and so there is still huge legs for growth for this business in terms of challenges i think there are multiple challenges that you face as a smaller consumer brand um the first challenge you face is that there is a lot of communication and advertising communication going out to your customers customers are hit by 80 or 100 brands on a daily basis so in this cluttered communication how does your brand stand out that's one challenge you face because at the end of the day even if you're a funded startup you're in the consumer landscape in india which is a very 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 large market dominated by very large players so how do you carve yourself that sort of niche to be able to engage with the customer is a, is a challenge that we face and you have to be very creative about ways to reach out to this consumer uh, that's one challenge that we face as a brand the second challenge that the industry of ayurved faces in general is a knowledge challenge right so you do get a lot of questions on is this even effective are there tests done on this product is it safe to consume this product and that's a challenge that not only me but a lot of stakeholders in this industry have to work together to change the thought process towards ayurved it's a paradigm shift because ayurved is not symptomatic it's more sort of preventive or long term curative and so changing the mentality of consumers will take more work than just one doctor vedyas saying that you know i'm here to change mentality of consumers so as an industry whether it's government whether it's private sector brands large brands startups a pr uh, media everybody needs to work together to really explain to consumers what ayurved is what it stands for how it works and that's a big challenge that our industry is facing today um a lot of good work has been done over the last 5 to 6 years with this government with the creation of the ministry but we still need to do a lot more to educate consumers because we still get a lot of rudimentary consumers rudimentary questions from consumers in in the metros um of india even today got it uh, walk me through some of the surprising consumption patterns that you've seen uh, with respect to your brand for for india as well as bharat 
Sure. So I think um, I, I've grown up in in uh, Mumbai all my life, uh, and so um, as as metro metro consumers in India, we are sometimes shielded or sheltered um, from consumption patterns outside of the top five or eight cities in this country. Uh, Doctor Vedas is truly a Bharat brand in the sense that eighty three percent of our orders in July actually came from outside the top ten cities in this country. uh and so that is something that um has has really interested me um because we are a brand that's capturing the imagination of a very large section of population and so the scope and potential is endless considering we are a bharat brand as well there are certain interesting nuances that we've seen right for example weight management is a big category but dr vedya sells forex weight gain as we do weight reduction because weight gain is a larger problem outside the top 10 cities in this country so there is one very interesting consumption pattern which i wouldn't have foreseen until i actually went out and did work and that leads me to the next idea which is that look at the end of the day as a consumer brand you can come up with your studies and you can come up with your research and you can do all of this background work but until you are with the consumer spending time on the consumer understanding how the consumer consumes and and reacts to your product you know very little about what what the reality of the market is got it and i remember that you were also telling me that uh, of the 83% orders coming from bharat uh, the kind of orders uh, that you're getting also gives a sense of uh, uh, how the consumption patterns are evolving so do you want to share an example or two so so i think uh, so a very interesting exercise we did 3 days ago was we put uh, our july orders on a map of india and so every pin code was heat mapped out uh, in how much amount was consumed right so we had a map of india we had shades of green uh, and as you got darker that pin code was consuming more uh, what became most interesting to me was the most dense areas of my heat map not in terms of value but just in terms of width of consumption was actually jammu kashmir and the northeast and that really tells us that as a brand and even as as brands in the sort of digital ecosystem there is a real opportunity as well as a real duty for us um to give high quality products to these consumers because in bombay today if you look at the ecosystem and bombay is less than 3% of my company's orders If you look at the ecosystem today in Bombay. You can still go to a chemist shop, that, and there are nine thousand plus chemist shops in the city, um, and be able to find the product. But when you are talking about sort of remote parts of this country, there are consumers who want to consume products for acidity and hypertension uh, and indigestion and constipation and asthma and diabetes, but they don't have access to a doctor or high quality product, and that is something that we are really adding value with, right? So, Doctor Vedas, we offer a free consultation. online whether it's via phone call video call whatsapp skype facebook instagram however you reach out to us email or text message we'll have a doctor on the other end sort of um helping you through your problems and then be able to suggest products to you if you so choose but this really showed me that the power of digital is for people who don't have access to high quality product trusted product or doctors we are actually solving this problem for these consumers and that is something that really excites me oh thank you arjun what are some products that are more popular 
in Bharat and are, is, are they the same in India um, or in metro, metro cities more specifically? Sure. So I think, uh, I, I think um, I, I'll walk you through our top sort of five or six categories that we, we sell um, and then tell you about some products that are actually India focused and that don't have much of sort of a, uh, as large a market in Bharat and how we sort of view the world. So our top five or six categories that Dr. Vedya's are sexual wellness, liver, weight management, diabetes, and sleep anxiety, stress, um, depression, hypertension. Uh, and the last sleep anxiety, stress, depression, hypertension is one product. Um, so these are the top five categories at Dr. Vedya. Now these are, because 83% of our transactions do come from Bharat, these are sort of Bharat products. But we also have certain products that may have sort of more urban appeal. Uh, and these would be, for example, we're innovating and have innovated launching a female sexual wellness supplement. Um, this is a product that uh, most Ayurvedic brands are in the men's sexual wellness space. Uh, but customers came to us and said, there's nothing for females. Can you please uh, sort of give us something? And that's when we said we have a product, but we just weren't sure India was ready for it. So this is a very India-focused product for now. Similarly, we've launched a PCOD supplement in January, which is doing very well in the India ecosystem. Obviously, we have a product called Live It Up, which is a hangover-focused product. So you have the capsules before you sort of drink, and then you wake up fresh in the morning. This is also a more urban phenomenon. So that's how we sort of look at consumption patterns uh, and, and create concepts or solutions for the customer based on their problems. Thank you. Uh, when you were looking for funds, the fact that uh, you were more Bharat, you're as at least as Bharat focused as India focused, is that something that the VCs really liked or uh, did that help you in any way? Because I would imagine the market up if you're building something for the 600 to 800 million people outside the cities. Yeah, so I think it, it, it depends on what kind of view or personality the person who's investing has as well. There's two ways to look at it, right? There is one way to say, hey, this is a huge market. Uh, and so I see the opportunity is very large, but there were some people who were very honest to me and said, look, I personally don't understand this market because I don't consume from that market. So I, I don't believe that this is the right investment for me. And so that was, that was uh, important for us to know because then we understood the mentality of the person who wanted to invest in our brand as well. Uh, right. And eventually we chose a partner who really understood the scope and potential of Ayurved, both in India and in Bharat and in the world. to say that, look, the opportunity is really, really, really large. Uh, and, and we need to do our bit to fulfill this opportunity. But yes, I think um, it's a it's a pro and con. The pro is if someone gets it, it's a huge market opportunity. But then there are people who say, look, I just don't get that market. And so I can't invest in that market. Understood. You're really trying to um, recreate or uh, mm -hmm. tell the story of Ayurveda in a different way. And I'd imagine that marketing, as you mentioned, is a huge bucket. Uh, brand awareness, again, is a huge bucket. How do you measure the output of your efforts? And uh, what are some things that have worked well for you in creating this brand? So till now, we've actually been uh, being a bootstrap startup. We've been extremely ROI focused uh, in the sense that we, are, uh, we, we spend a lot on digital, but we track the ROI of every single campaign to see that we're stretching the dollar to the maximum. That's the mentality of a bootstrap startup, which I really like because now we know that game very well. Now when we go to the next level leg of growth for our brand to take sort of the conversation forward, we'll be doing a lot of brand awareness as well. But given the focus on ROI, 
we are already very cognizant consumers of marketing right because we are already roi focused and so we are already very cautious and watchful when we do things um and this helps us even when we look at brand awareness marketing as well because then you put on the roi hat and you say look i'm putting in this much what's the output i'm expecting from this not saying we don't make mistakes but when you go with the output focus whether you're saying it's the output to build a brand whether you're saying it's the output to build visibility you have to be very cognizant of the output focus and being bootstrapped and being roi focused has really taught us to be able to play this game well give me an example of um, of an experiment that you did and you calculated your roi so so i think uh, it uh, it's not even one example it's every day right so uh, for us a lot of people say that when you track your your sort of uh, efficacy of campaigns on digital you look at uh, clicks reach uh, number of views on videos number of likes on posts number of comments etc as an e-commerce focused brand actually these are all almost irrelevant metrics to us although these are relevant metrics for your general brand building when we look at a e-commerce or conversion focused campaign there is largely one data point we look at at the end of the day right we look at this is the amount i spent on the campaign this yeah. is the amount of people that came to my website this is the amount of people that added the product to the cart and eventually this is the conversion i had so for 1 rupee spent my return on aggregate spend or ros was 2 or 2 and a half rupees that's a very important metric for us when we look at e-commerce sort of e-commerce focused campaigns and i think when you work hard enough you can really get very good results from from such campaigns so having yeah. said that that is that is the leg of our growth till today which was very roi driven now that we are going to the next leg to build a really really big brand we will be doing a lot of brand building activities but when you put on the roi hat and you say hey i am doing this activity for this purpose it helps you rather than just throwing uh, coins into a large ocean right because at the end of the day marketing can sometimes feel like that Uh, and so yes. you're going to understand what's the objective with which I'm doing this activity. Yeah. No, it was very interesting what you said about likes and social media affirmations. Um, I would 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 somebody not say that the if you're very popular on social media, it just means that you're reaching a lot of customers. Some of them will eventually uh, become users of your products and maybe advocates as well. uh is that not a valid line of thinking uh what's missing here no so i think it is a valid line of thinking definitely is a valid line of thinking and that's a lot of brand building or brand awareness marketing that you need to do but at the end of the day as a business that's running on on resources that eventually have to generate profit revenue etc all of that sometimes brands get lost in this game where they say hey i'm just getting huge reach and maybe someone eventually will become an advocate and convert we need to have a very fine balance of these activities so that is very important to build your brand but doing just that without having conversion focused campaigns is very risky because eventually if you're like us selling products and there are not that many conversions on your product and not that many people using your product so although there may be 1 million people who know about your product if nobody started nobody is ever coming back and that's the real critical difference so you yeah. cannot just have roi focused campaigns and leave all this brand building marketing to say that nobody knows about the product but just doing brand awareness and having no consumption is also extremely risky for a consumer product startup that's a valuable insight arjun let's do a small case study 
I want Talk. you to tell our listeners about uh, one of the of, of one successful marketing campaign that uh, Dr. Vaidya has conducted, and how did it actually measure the output of it? So you can take uh, numbers that are that you remember or approximations if you're comfortable with because i really want no. our customers or our listeners to understand how do you you know how do you build a brand as well as keep uh, the roi hat uh, in in mind sure so i'll give you actually two case studies right uh, and this is very interesting because um uh, it shows how to do brand building without spending a huge amount of money and then can also show you how to really wear the ROI hat and go forward. The first case study is a case study for our brand Live It Up, right? So Live It Up is an Ayurvedic hangover product um, which has consumption in nightlife ecosystem. And nightlife ecosystem would be restaurants, bars, clubs, pubs, lounges, wine shops, concerts, events, etc. Uh, now the alcohol channel, concerts, events, a placing product in bars, etc. Um, can be very expensive and very daunting. Um, and can cost a lot of money, right? So with Live It Up, we said, look, we have a very, very effective product. We know it works really, really well. But how can we get customers to know it works really, really well? Instead of investing in a TV commercial and uh, 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 advertising crazy amounts of money on above-the-line communication, what is it that's unique about my product? It's a hangover product that's all natural extremely effective and hey there is nothing like this according to us in the market that can give this level of efficacy so instead of spending all this money on above the line communication let's start with giving out 200,000 samples of this product for free and so any bar club pub having an event in this city for a period of time in 2017 live it up was given to these consumers for free and that really really helped because most people are then, and I'm taking the micro market of Bombay as an example. Most people in the micro market of Bombay then knew this product, had consumed this product, had tried the product. And so the cost of marketing for me was actually just 200,000 units of my product, which were consumed by consumers at point of consumption. So th this is a very interesting case study to say that, look, I had limited resources. I wanted my product to be used. How do I get it out to 200,000 consumers? I can do a TV commercial. I can do a, a digital commercial and put it on Facebook and get that reach, but I can also find innovative ways to get my product out to 200,000 consumers. So that's one example of sort of innovative of guerrilla marketing to get your product out to point of consumption, which I think actually worked quite well for us um, and actually got the brand some knowledge and recognition in the ecosystem. Uh, and people still, you know, make a lot of fun of me um, because every time I go out, whether it's a restaurant, bar, birthday party, wedding, event, uh, or even sort of a network capital discussion, I always have three packets of liver up in my pocket. And whenever I'm talking about the product, I pull it out. That's the mentality to say, hey, I want you to try this product because it's so amazing. But if you don't try it, you'll never know. Um, and so that was one case study which worked quite well for us from, from sort of getting usage of product uh, without spending a crazy amount of, of capital to do the same. Uh, the second case study is a case study of drvedias.com. So in November of 2017, uh, as a business, we took a call to say that um, this is while most consumer brands uh, focus on building their presence online through third party marketplaces, we never not do this. 
but we really want to build value for our customers um, through our own platform. And this is content. This is education of consumers. It's a tougher strategy, but eventually we should be able to own our customers such that we can actually get them to repeat, get them to consume products in the right manner. If they're consuming diabetes or arthritis, they're consuming it for the right six month course, etc. In November 2017, we went against what most consumer brands do and said, our focus will be drvedias.com. Um, most people thought it was a, it's a very risky strategy. And we started at one order every couple of days on this, on this platform. Um, and today, 18 or 19 months into it, we're actually doing a thousand orders a day on drvedias.com. What this gives us then is tremendous knowledge of what we are doing with our campaigns, with our marketing, because at the end of the day, you run a campaign on Facebook, you run a campaign on Google, you run a campaign on Critio, and you know exactly what you're getting, which is I spent this on this campaign, these many people clicked through, this is what they did on our, on our website. These are the heat maps of how customers have tried to consume our content. This is where they want to see more content. Eventually, this is how they've consumed. And so the entire customer journey is then owned by you. Um, it was a risk that we took, but eventually yielded very good results for the brand because now we have a huge amount of loyal customers who actually consume from our own platform. We can cross-sell, we can upsell, we can engage with the customers, we can educate them further. We can get them to get the most out of Ayurved, uh, which was which was definitely definitely a, a eventually ended up being a reasonably successful initiative by the brand. Is language has ever language been a barrier? Because Doctor is largely in English, I imagine. No, so it's not actually largely in English. Uh, okay. if, if you look at our ads, actually, uh, more than 50% of our ads actually go in regional languages. Uh, and we're constantly innovating in this game as well. So we use Hindi, we use English, we've used Gujarati ads as well. And studying the heat map of India, we realized that Tamil Nadu and Kerala are actually not very strong markets for Dr. Vaidyas. Uh, these are markets which have the least amount of orders, but the most amount of knowledge of Ayurveda. And so our hypothesis with this is maybe we're running ads in Hindi or English to these consumers and they're not able to engage with the content. So we're going to now embark on a journey where we're doing even further vernacular content or regional language content uh, and sort of conversations with these consumers to be able to interact with them. So definitely language is an important thing. No, that's, uh, um, that's really well said. Um, it'll be interesting to see how your heat map evolves uh, in the coming years because you'll be putting in more money, more resources, uh, and uh, you know, just conducting little A/B tests on these markets could be a very interesting marketing case study. Um, tell me, what is uh, what is something about this market that uh, that has changed fundamentally in the past five years? You mentioned that. Uh, some efforts by the government uh, have helped. Consumer awareness has also helped. Uh, but what uh, what are some changes that you have seen, and what are some changes that you do expect in the coming years? So I think it's been a very good time for Ayurveda over the last five or six years. Uh, I think it's not just government, although government has played a very large role in creation of Ministry of Ayush. I think our Prime Minister is very forthright about talking about what we have with Ayurveda, um, what do we have to offer, the amount of scope we have for our industry, um, creation of sort of National Ayurveda Day is important. Um, but just sort of genuine buzz from, from government angle has been helpful to the industry. 
other than this it's been a lot of macro headwinds as well uh it's been consumers understanding the harmful effects of chemicals it's been consumers understanding the harmful effects of side effects it's been the trend coming from west which is going back to our roots and going back to natural i think a combination of these factors has opened up consumers minds to wanting to consume even in india which was obsessed with allopathic products right we just did not look at ayurveda at all for the last 30 or 40 years urban india was like shunning ayurveda or scared of ayurveda i think these things have really changed and when you see colgate launching a herbal toothpaste and you know we were focusing on their ayush range and you know we were acquiring an ayurveda brand and imami acquiring an ayurvedic hair brand you really see the scope and and dr vedya is raising a significant amount of capital um you really see a lot of interest from the consumer angle which is making very large players very interested in this industry um and so i think these macro headwinds as well as sort of combination of government initiative uh, and maybe some work done by patanjali has opened the consumer's mind uh, to interact with the science and that's really really created buzz um and interest towards our science which i don't think has been there for the last 50 years it's interesting you mentioned patanjali we must discuss it later during this call and in the coming yeah. years what are some uh, some things that are about to change how will these headwinds impact future consumption patterns so i think uh, a few things i i wish uh, or i hope to see change i think one is knowledge consumers knowledge about natural products ayurveda is increasing significantly consumers are now becoming more responsible they're reading labels they're understanding products they're understanding approvals they're understanding trusted brands etc so this is something consumer awareness is increasing and i'm happy to see that because you now have sort of knowledgeable or responsible consumers in the ecosystem and it will continue to improve and evolve i think the other thing i'd really like to see is us us being able to take ayurveda global um i know it's going to happen i don't know how long it's going to take i hope we do meaningful work in the next 5 years but that is something that will really change the game for both our brand as well as india because it can be a really really powerful and important export for india which unfortunately for us we could not do with yoga so yoga went there got repackaged and has come back to us we need to do the same with ayurveda but we need to be the people taking it outside that's so important you know i mean you said you went to brown and Uh, I I met uh, some people there, some scholars uh, of Sanskrit and uh, uh, ethics actually, and it was really interesting to learn more about uh, how much there is uh, a fascination about India in Western markets. Absolutely, some fascination hasn't resulted in dollars, which is why yeah. you know the export numbers have been so low. So I think I'm not sure what. uh are indian companies missing in this space one is that there are quite a few uh, uh, like not not too many right now but uh, the numbers growing but uh, what are some lessons that we can take from uh from failures of the past to actually claim this market and uh, you know really translate the fascination for indian products into dollars so sure, i think there is there's inherent fascination for india as the land of the pure the land of mystery the land of finding yourself the land of 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 the holy so the, so that that thought process and mindset is there across the globe i think where we are facing challenges and where we really need to evolve is palatability so ayurveda is a sort of 5000 year old science 
बट कंज्यूमर्स है आयुर्वेद शुड ऑल्सो इवॉल्व एज कंज्यूमर्स इवॉल्व एंड दैट इज अ वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट जर्नी दैट अस एज आयुर्वेदा ब्रांड लीड टू टेक so that's our mission and motto at dr vaidya said whether it's a indian consumer or a global consumer making the science appealing and accessible to 21st century consumers is dr vaidya's motto and i think if we are able to do that like yoga did with yoga pants yoga mats yoga apparel yoga music yoga gyms um making it 21st century and changing the name of xyz asan to cobra pose and downward dog um Although people say it's sort of ruining the culture that came with it, I think it's really being able to take what we have as legacy and tradition to the next level or to the modern consumer. And so, as long as we make it 21st century, we have a lot to offer. Absolutely. Tell us about Patanjali. It some would consider it a controversial statement that you just made, but I'm interested to learn why you mentioned Patanjali and uh, what's the role that it has played in India and outside India. So I think uh, I think Utkarsh, both of us have chatted about this uh, a few times in the past as well. My view to Patanjali may be contrary to a lot of folks from my industry as well, uh, and the view is that Patanjali actually captured the imagination of consumers. So I'm not going to comment on product because I don't have enough uh, knowledge of whether it's really good or really bad, and I I don't like to make a judgment without of knowing course. enough. So leaving product aside, I think what's really what really patanjali has done is ayurveda was asleep for 70 years uh, or 65 years and patanjali woke up everyone in relation to ayurveda whether it's sort of large ayurveda brands whether it's large smcg companies who are ignoring ayurveda uh, colgate launching a herbal toothpaste levers focusing on their ayush line um, everyone looking for herbal uh, uh, products or herbal equivalents it really woke up an industry which had a lot of potential but had fallen asleep Uh, i think now what's happening is patanjali has had its first year of degrowth and it's it's sort of degrown by 2000 crores and so it's left a really big vacuum which a lot of us brands can actually uh, and a lot of us brands that do high quality work can actually now engage with these customers who are ready to engage because in the late 90s early 2000 even mid 2000 these customers were not even willing to engage with arvin and that's changed so that's a real positive for the industry where customers who weren't willing to engage are now ready to engage Um, and so that's a big positive that I think has come out from what I call the Patanjali revolution, um, yeah. which has happened over the last five years. Yeah. No, well said. Uh, let's try and connect the dots between Brown uh, private equity and what you're doing today. You know, it's very it's impossible to connect the dots uh, looking forward. But let's try and see what's the common common link between these three, and how do you think, if at all, the dots connect? Sure. So I think there is actually a huge connect, um, and each of my previous experiences, uh, both growing up, spending time with my grandfather, going to Brown, coming back to India, working in private equity, and then eventually starting my business. Each of these parts of my life actually had a relationship to what I'm doing today. The first part would be being cured of asthma, spending time with my grandfather, understanding about our legacy, um, spending time with him, where his Sort of constant conversation with me was this is our family legacy we need to take it forward that had a big bearing on the emotional angle of what I do today so I'm running a business and I'm very excited about numbers but there is always an emotional angle that my family's name is still in our company and that really keeps me going that you know my grandfather is up there somewhere smiling down on us and saying 
um, you know, I'm proud of you and you're taking our legacy forward and you're doing something meaningful for Ayurved. Um, from there, going to Brown opened up my mind to, to the natural organic products revolution happening in the West, to yoga being repackaged, opened up my mind to become a more global citizen, um, understand other global cultures, understand what modern consumers do. It really changed me as a person. Um, then coming back to India and working in private equity was very important to my journey. Why because I understood all? Why did you work in private equity? Was that your goal when you started at Brown? How did that change? So I think I'm not as planned as people would be. Uh, in that sense, that it wasn't a... A lot of people say your career trajectory is very interesting. Um, uh, you did private equity, which is a great sort of place to work before starting your own business. I'm not as planned uh, and and eventually sort of serendipity that things worked out the way they did. But private equity for me... Um, so I think... Why I came back to India is the real question, right? Because I'm a very patriotic person. I think that as people who've studied abroad, who have access to resources that a lot of folks in India don't, have a duty to come back to our country and really add value. So although I'm running a business, I believe that in some way I'm adding value to what India has to offer. And that was very important for me. So that's the reason I came back to India. Private equity just happened. I wanted to be in the business side of brands. Uh, I eventually ended up getting an internship at a very good fund called L Capital Asia now called El Caritin, which is a private equity arm of the Louis Vuitton Moore Tennessee Group. And so gave me the opportunity to be a private equity investor in the consumer landscape. Uh, I got also very fortunate to work on e-commerce um, because that was the buzz sort of industry in 2014, 2015 India. And that allowed me to even secure a full-time job at the fund uh, because six months into my internship, um, I was the point person for e-commerce for the fund across Asia. And that eventually made me uh, or gave me the opportunity to build a career in private equity. But my experience in private equity made me understand the Indian consumer much better. There's been a change in the Indian consumer. The Indian consumer today is happy to consume quintessentially Indian products. We're not obsessed with imported products anymore. We're happy uh, with our legacy, with our heritage, and, and we're sort of excited about what is Indian today. So all of these three experiences actually shaped my thought process into what eventually culminated into Dr. Vedya is the brand, the philosophy, the aim of the company and the motto behind which we're now adding value to consumers in the online space in relation to Ayurveda. Um, well put, Ar Arjun. Really, this made in India is definitely an asset now and people are uh, more proud. And Indians around the world are essentially you know, trying to support uh, each other through various initiatives. And I think what you're doing is one tangible way or an example. Um, tell us, um, you know, going forward, uh, there are so many things that on on your plate, you have to expand, you have to grow, you have to deliver. Um, it's obviously a busy time. So how do you relax and what are some things that you're trying to do to get more done uh, and still, you know, remain productive as well as creative? I think it's very important, right, uh, to, to do those things to de-stress, but also do those things that make you think as well. Uh, and and so 16 hours of hard work, the last five hours or four hours actually getting you nowhere because you're wasting that time with very low levels of productivity. And I think we've discussed this multiple times, Utkarsh. I think it's very important to, to get out because then you see the world, right? Uh, and in a startup or in a business, you end up seeing the world with blinders. And if you don't get out of those blinders, you're doing the same thing on a daily basis and not innovating, not being creative, not finding new ways to grow. Um, so I do a bunch of things to relax. For me, um, I'm a big fan of, or, or, or I studied politics in college, and so I, I, I like to keep 
um, in tune with what's going on in the world. Uh, I'm also a big documentary buff. Um, so I end up watching at least one or two interesting documentaries a week um, that help me learn about something outside of usually my realm of focus um, as well in the world. Um, and I think for me, my uh, place to think uh, is physical exercise. So whether it's uh, a run uh, or a workout or a game of football, um, these are times when my mind is off work, but actually the times when I get the best ideas for work. Um, so if I do a sort of half an hour, 45 minute jog, I'm flooded with ideas of things that I wouldn't get sitting in front of my laptop. Um, and so flights, uh, and, and I heard uh, actually the founder of Spanx um, say this on, on the Blitzscaling podcast as well. He said, I used to live very close to my office, but I would ensure I would take a longer route to my office because the car journey is where I do a lot of my thinking. And for me, it's, it's always flights, or car, long car journeys or runs where I actually get the best ideas because I'm out of the daily rut and the daily grind. Yeah. Tell us the most satisfying part of uh, building the business and the most draining part of doing what you do. So I think the most satisfying part of building the business, I'll say two things. One is sort of more anecdotal uh, and one is uh, sort of more, um, more uh, real. Uh, the most satisfying part from an anecdotal sense is uh, seeing my family's reaction to it, right? Uh, because this is at the end of the day, my grandfather's legacy. My wife and I are working in this business together to sort of build it and take it forward. And so whenever I see my grandmother uh, smile and um, get excited about what we're doing when we come home from work at 10.30 or 11 at night, I think anecdotally that's an extremely satisfying part of, of what we're doing. I think from a more sort of larger macro standpoint, um, we're now close to 70 people in our organization. Uh, and seeing people across levels of the organization working towards the same vision, which is my grandfather's legacy, which is Ayurveda, which is taking our brand forward, is extremely satisfying. And to start in sort of July of 2016 with four people uh, and eventually get to where we are today is definitely satisfying. I think draining is, is, a, is a daily phenomenon in the startup ecosystem. It's rejection and failure on a daily basis. It drains you. Um, it used to drain me more. It now drains me less. But you try a lot of things. Uh, and most things in a small company start with no or failure. So on a daily basis, you are drained with a thing that you think would have happened but did not happen. But it's just about having thick skin and having grit and saying, hey, I tried, it didn't work out, I'm going to try again. And hopefully this time it'll work. And if it doesn't work this time, I'll try again. And the third time it should work. Um, so it is draining, but it's also, it's also just part and parcel of doing something that, that, that is your own uh, and, and, and having an emotional attachment to it. Um, it is draining, but it's also very fulfilling. Absolutely. Um, imagine that we are having a follow-up discussion to this uh, one year from now. Where do you see Dr. Verdeas going? What's the best case scenario? And uh, what's on like, what will you do this year to get there? So I think uh, uh, if we're having this conversation one year from now, uh, I'll tell you maybe, because I'm a very tangible person. Uh, I don't like to have philosophical discussions when it comes to uh, where we see ourselves going forward. So if we see our website doing 3000 orders a day, uh, if we see ourselves really building the heat map to go from 4000 pin codes to 8000 pin codes and fulfill that next leg of, of India, which genuinely needs access to our products as well. If we see our brand available in five markets, 
uh, outside of india if we see our team grow to from 70 to 120 um, that would be that would be sort of reasonably successful way of looking at our brand because at the end of the day all of these metrics eventually lead to our brand being able to touch the lives of more and more people um and at the price point and at the sort of um uh quality of product we're giving um it's genuinely adding value to the ecosystem if we can do this these metrics that are tangible it eventually goes to our goal of touching more lives uh, and giving access to more giving access or the access of ayurveda to more people i'm um, so i think that would be a reasonably successful point to be at one year from now and hopefully we can do this follow up chat one year from now and see where we are i think that sounds like a great idea arjun thank you so much for your time it was an absolute pleasure speaking to you and learning more about uh, your vision for the business and a big congrats to you for uh, raising 5 million and i know that it will be deployed appropriately and i see dr vedya's like you have all our uh love and support from the entire community thanks very much for taking time out we genuinely appreciate thanks so much with kush it's been my pleasure